Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19. All new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Welcome to From the Kitchen Table. I'm Sean Duffy along with my co-host for the podcast, my partner in life, and my wife, Rachel Campos Duffy. It's hi, great. Honey. To, hi, honey. It's great to be back. We're at the kitchen table and we have two great guests, two friends. Yes. Yeah, I mean, genuinely friends. Um, we're not saying that in TV talk. Uh, so we have Raymond Arroyo is going to be joining us a little later. Um, we're going to talk about Pope. Uh, uh, and Cardinal Burke and what's the latest on that drama and drama and we're going to talk about Christmas so he has a new Christmas album out um it's just sort of like how to take back the joy in Christmas and not let the Grinches steal it from us um the Grinches are the secularists by the way the Marxists and so he has some really great advice on that and I, I thought it was an important conversation to have as we're winding down here in the last two weeks of advent and moving into christmas um i'm in we're in full christmas spirit here our house is fully decorated we are sean sean sneezing and he's still sick uh but but uh but we're in the christmas spirit there's a lot of people trying to take the christmas spirit away even satanists in wisconsin taking over the railroad museum we're going to talk about that and a few other things and just how to really take that back for us and I'm bringing in my friend, our friend, Christy Stetsman. Um, I met Christy when we were both congressional spouses. Her husband represented a district in Indiana, Sean in, in Wisconsin. And what people don't realize is that the spouses actually get to know each other. We have a congressional spouse club. So but just before but Christy, yes. it was important to notice that the, the spouses that come in and the members that come in in the same cycle, they get to know each other better. Even better, right? So Marlon Stetsman and Sean Duffy came in together, the class of 2010, the Tea Party wave. Um, and Christy and Rachel were spouses and got to know each other very well. So the, um, the, we, we, so let me bring in Christy. Christy, welcome. Hi, good to be with you guys. So good to see you. So Christy wrote an amazing book and we're going to talk about it. It's called the spiritual cost of political silence. The second I, I, by the way, I'm not having her on because she wrote a book. I'm having her on because I'm obsessed with her title in a book. I'm obsessed. I'm absolutely obsessed. I think that this is the greatest title at the right moment in time. Um, and I, I, it's not a plug. It's I'm genuinely fascinated with this discussion. Um, I got to meet Christy. Um, as Sean mentioned, through through all the congressional amount, um, events, people don't realize that the spouses come in. As Sean said, we go through orientation with our husband, so we all get or to know wives. Better not or wives. Yeah, there's and, and there were some of those. Brian yeah. Nome would say, "I went." Yeah, Brian. Brian Nome <laughs> was in our club. <laughs> Christy Nome's husband. Um, so he's a congressional spouse. He was part of the congressional spouse club. He definitely was not as enthusiastic of a member. And he did go to some things. Uh, oh, I love Brian. And, um, and, 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 but also we go to retreats together. Uh, we go to Christmas galas together and we sort of have this. It's, by the way, there's two clubs. There's a bipartisan club, which I wasn't as big of a fan of. I did go to some of their stuff. The real fun club is the Republican Congressional Spouse Club because 
We are bonded. We love each other. We all know what it's like. Um, and, and, and Christy and I became fast friends there. And, and here she is. Christy, welcome again. Thank you so much. Yeah. It's more like a therapy support club sometimes. <laughs> it truly is. You can't, there's, it's so hard now that we're out, Christy, of the political world. It is the hardest thing to be a member. I'm not going to underestimate what you, you, what you guys went through. Yeah. But as a spouse, you're back home. You're handling all the stuff that your husband can't do because he's gone. So you're like the husband and wife at home and you're dealing, by the way, you get as much of the incoming because you're going to the grocery store, oh, you're going yeah. to Walmart um, and you're dealing with all the, that stuff as well. Right. And, but you can never complain about it because if you complain about it, that becomes a story and you don't want to get in the way of your husband's work right. or your spouse's work. You know, and harm. so. So that's right. Do no harm. And so what we would do is we would get together and, as you said, have therapy sessions with each other. <laughs> True. And it helped a lot. It really helped a lot to know that you weren't in by yourself, you know, that there were yeah. others that were experiencing the same things. And uh, it was doable, you know, and it's been done before. So, yeah, it was very helpful to have each other to kind of talk to and rely on. And share best practices. And yes, go, your scheduler did this. You better tell her not to cancel that birthday party again. I mean, there was a lot of stuff that we learned from each yeah. other mm -hmm. um, there. Well, I remember the first time Rachel uh, went to one of these big gatherings. And again, it's, it's, it's hard on a family yeah. you, because you're gone so much. And, yeah. and there was a lot of like, I think Rachel was like, am I crazy that this is so hard? And this, I, I yeah. kind of taken on this extra load. And after the first big Republican meeting, she was like, oh, my God, I'm not crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone else is going through the same thing that I'm going through. Yeah. Because it's a similar experience for, for most of uh, the, the, the spouses um, yeah, that are engaged with new members. It was kind of unusual to have young kids in that situation, too. And I think that class had a lot of families that had younger children. Yes. Um, so that, that was, was a actually a big story, Christy. Yeah. That was a big story about the class. It wasn't just... The size of the class. Well, how many was it, Sean, that came in? 90? Oh, 80, 80, 80, 87, was it? It was the 87. Those years or so, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it wasn't It wasn't all seats that Republicans had fled. There were some Republicans that left in oh, a sure. different Republican, but 87 new members of Congress. Yeah. 87 new members of Congress. Yeah. And they took pictures of all of us going in to, to, through orientation, and they couldn't believe how many members were carrying babies. I mean, we had our baby at orientation. I, bags, you know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, strollers. All yeah, all it, totally. <laughs> totally. And and our kids kind of grew up together. Yeah. You know, we didn't just exchange best practices, Sean. We actually had a meeting. I don't know if you remember this. There were retired members, retired spouse, uh, members and their spouses. The spouses had a meeting with all of us. And one of the first things they told us, and I took this advice, they said, and I loved it because they could only say this advice, Christy, because they were out of politics. Right. And it didn't really matter what they said. So they gave us the full lowdown scoop. Um, I, I think it was Jack Kemp's wife. Um, there were other wives there. Yeah. And basically they said, have lots of pictures of you and your family in your husband's office. Because <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of women out there right. that are after Congress. Oh, like in your pictures about you in my Pictures office. of me in your office and our kids. Yes. So if any, you know, bad ladies walk in there. We had a lot of pictures. Yeah. You know. and I, oh, no, I put glamour shots up there, Christine. <laughs> yep, I had a lot, a lot of decorating time in there when we first moved sure. in. And 
So we're going to, you know, strategically place things and just, you know, it, it's good. And it's, I, I did that in, in my office as well. And it's just, it's really good to just kind of, that's why you're there. You know, you're there for yep. your kids. You're there for the future. Yep. And uh, you're so, there for your family. So, so Christy left, um, her husband, uh, ended up leaving Congress and then Christy ended up running for state office, right? Was it assembly right. or state senator? Assembly. And it's rep. State representative. Oh, state rep. State rep. I'm sorry. Um, and how, and you just served for how long? I served for one term. Um, we had just purchased a property, a sort property actually in Indiana. It had a, a round barn theater, which had been around for over 50 years. The barn is over a hundred years old. Uh, had a restaurant, had shops. It was a tourist restaurant entertainment destination right before COVID hit. So it was not the greatest timing. And um, I was writing, actually, during COVID, they froze licensing out of New York. So um, any shows that I was trying to get to produce on Broadway Rep is, is what our, our you know theater did. Uh, so wait a minute, Christy, Christy, let me stop you for a second, just because I want our, our listeners to know. Christy is an amazing singer professional singer, pianist, composer. She writes uh, uh, musicals. So uh, she's an extraordinary human. She's kind of just kind of skipping through this, but that's why there's a theater and that's why we're talking about that. Yeah. My husband is, um, you know, he's in the, he has a farming background and he loves raising uh, beef cattle. And so we had gotten into Wagyu beef. And so the restaurant slash theater really appealed to both of us. I love the theater side and he loved the restaurant side. And so uh, and also we love preserving historic places in our state. So um, that was all combined. And when COVID hit, I was serving in the state house and could not get licensing out of New York. They had just frozen all licensing. And um, so I told my team, I was like, OK, we're creatives. Now's our time to shine. Let's let's write. And so we wrote uh, three original shows in the first two years. And it was a little crazy, but we made it. And through that, I realized that I'm just, I cannot do this plus state rep at the same time. And so um, I decided to step down, help the next person get elected. I was, I supported uh, the person that ended up winning and uh, knew that it was in good hands. And that I just completely focused on keeping that place open and running. Uh, and it is today. We made it. Uh, it's been a, a long slog, but we made it. So I'm, I'm really thankful for uh, good people being willing to run and, and uh, step, in when, step in when there's a need. What's the name of it again? So if people are going through Indiana. Oh, yeah. You should check out The Barns at Napanee. Um, and my theater is called The Round Barn Theater. That's awesome. Yeah. So what, what, what made you decide that you wanted to write a book titled The Spiritual Cost? of political silence? Well, I had been speaking at different um, events, whether it was TPUSA events or other local events, and just kind of sharing how to get involved. And it was really from a grassroots level. Um, I kind of shared our story. You know, we never planned on being in politics. Uh, but, you know, when 9-11 hit, we had a three-week-old. Our first son was only three weeks old. And we really just wanted to make sure that our community was in good hands. And so we started attending meetings, you know, commissioner meetings, school board. We'd go to the local GOP meeting. And uh, when you show up, I found out that doors open, opportunities present themselves, people approach you, and then you just have to pray about it and go, okay, all right, should I do this? And so I was sharing that. And a lot of the questions I was getting from people uh, had to do with, you know, it's so overwhelming. It's so intimidating. I don't know where to start. You know, where do I even begin? I, you know, and it's so ugly. You know, it's divisive. Um, and really, you know, my experience, especially on the community level, was not as bad. And I think sometimes we just think it's bigger than it is because of all the ads and the 
the stuff that we see on TV. And so I started talking to a publisher friend of mine because people were asking me for my uh, presentation, my PowerPoint. And I said, well, I just want to put it in a little pamphlet, you know, and hand it out. And so I sent it to her and we talked about it. And she said, you know, I really think you have enough for a book here. And uh, my passion has always been to just kind of make it a vi- make it accessible, make it doable for people, uh, because I really feel like people of faith have been silent for way too long. And we have been intimidated into silence a lot of times. Uh, we've been misled, mis- misinformed about our role. And so um, I really feel like <laughs> right now there's a lot of people of faith who are ready to um, be silent no more. They're ready to speak out and take action. So I wanted to give like a handbook of how to do that. You know, Christy, it's interesting because Democrats oftentimes, atheists oftentimes, have no problem getting in your face and telling you what they think about politics. And you're right that conservatives and Christians, oftentimes because they feel like they're outnumbered uh, on the left, that there's so many of them, whether it's in media or in business, in Hollywood, in sports, they remain silent. Right. Um, and so wh- how do you, how, you know, what advice do you have for probably the majority of America that is staying silent how do you encourage them to to get out and have their voices heard? Well, you know, doing research for this book, I realized that we have actually been targeted actually further back than I realized. So when you look back at the cultural Marxist humanists, you know, thing that happens, it really started happening when the um, intellectual elites in Germany and other places that have, you know, tried socialism and communism before in other places realized that. It didn't work. And of course, it's never their fault. Um, their utopia no. is just around the corner. Um, and so they look at America and go, you know, uh, we should target the children. We should target the educational institutions. Uh, and that's what they did. And so what I find is that... Are you talking about the Frankfurt School? Is this is what yes. you're talking about? Frankfurt so what School. Year, period. To give people some context, what time period is that? That was right around 1930-ish, maybe a little bit before. Mm-hmm. So in between the two world wars, there was this intellectual elite that were really sold out to humanism uh, and atheism, uh, but they really wanted to try their hand at, you know, experimenting on different civilizations. And so they tried things in Russia, they tried things in Italy, you know, and so when they looked at America, they said, you know, and uh, T- Antonio Gramsci wrote this from a prison cell and he said, you know, we we really messed up when we didn't target the children because once they're a certain age, you know, it's hard to get them. So what they're trying to do, and I told Marlon after reading some of these books, I realized that it can be summed up in one verse out of the Bible, and that is the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And once you decide that, then you're going to do away with the family unit. You're going to do away with anything that's authoritarian, and you're going to try to attack it and take it down because your ultimate goal is to be transhuman, which is the new term today, right? So we're we're evolving past humanness and transhumanness. Um, It's just insane. So um, it was it was very eye opening to me that not only have we been targeted for for so long, but we've also been intimidated by misinformation that's been spread by the same crew. And that is, you know, separation of church and state. Church leaders should not speak out on political things. Um, And all of this is completely opposed to what the founders actually wrote and said. So when I did some, you know, looking into their actual words, they say over and over again that this is this government will only operate if there is a moral people supporting it. And people keep asking me questions like, well, do you think our leaders should do more about this or that? And my answer is, we are the leaders. 
it's a government of we the people. And so if our leaders aren't leading the way that we believe they should, we have the opportunity to either elect someone else or run ourselves. Um, so we really, you know, it's not a dictatorship. It's not a it's not a royal family that we're dealing with. This is we the people. And it's unique in the history of the world. So what are the spiritual costs if we are silent? I mean, I get the overall, but what happens to the individual? I mean, first of all, I see people beginning to wake up and it's, yes. a, it's slow, but it, but they are beginning to wake up. Mm-hmm. But for a long time, whether it was in DEI meetings or even kids having to write stuff that mm-hmm. they don't, they know that they don't believe in and that they weren't taught by their parents right. to, to believe, um, whether it's, you know, leaders of companies having to hire people that they don't think is the best person for the job, that they're doing it uh-huh. um, because they have to meet a certain quota. Yeah. Um, whether it's being afraid to hang, you know, how many people did you know, Christy, I knew a lot who said they were going to vote for Donald Trump, but they were would say to me, this is how I knew that Donald Trump was going to win, by the way, they would go, and they felt safe telling me because they knew who I was. I was the, yep. the wife of the of the Republican congressman, the only one in Wisconsin who had endorsed Donald Trump. Yeah. Um, and so they felt comfortable coming to me. But I thought, what a terrible way to live um, where you're so afraid to say what you think in America. And right. I have to believe that eats at your soul, not being able to tell the truth. Yeah. Um, but what happens to you spiritually? Yeah. Well, I think we are paying a price. We see it being played out in the lives of children across America. There is so much fear and misunderstanding of who they are. And I think it goes to the root of the fact that we've been told as Americans for so many, so long who we should be instead of knowing who we have always been. And we have always been salt and light in this world. I mean, when we went on congressional delegations, I can't tell you how many people, leaders in countries would, would talk to my husband and I and say, we want to do trade with you. We appreciate all of your charities, your disaster work, your mission work, your educational work. But please don't export your morals. It's, it's yeah. corrupting our children. And it was, it was heartbreaking to hear. But at the same time, we totally understood what they were saying. And yes. I think that we have forgotten at our root and at our core who we are and what our mission is in this world. And, you know, we were over in um, Israel. Uh, it was our first, you know, delegation trip that we went on. And our lead, our, our guide said that, you know, he, he was a citizen of Israel, but he was not religious. And he made that very clear. But boy, he did a good job presenting, you know, all the different locations, you know, around Israel and the history there. But we got to the Mount of Beatitudes and he asked someone to read Matthew 5. My husband, Marlon, uh, volunteered right away. So we read Matthew 5 together. And of course, I was in tears and several others were too. It was just very moving to be there. And he stopped Marlon and he said, can you go back and read verses 13 and 14? I think it is. So Marlon read the verses that say, you're the light of the world. A city that is set in a hill cannot be held. You're the salt of the earth, you know? So he read those verses and then the guys looked at us and he said, I just want you to know as leaders uh, in your country that as a citizen of Israel, you have done this thing that Jesus said. You have been a light to the world. And he said, I'm just asking you right now, please don't stop. If you stop, I don't know who's going to take your place. I don't know who's going to step forward. And boy, it hit me really hard. I thought, you know, why is he saying that? Why is he saying don't stop? Well, I think it's because the world is watching the foundations crumbling and they're wondering what's going to happen. 
And, you know, that's another reason I wanted to write this book was that I think it's on us and our generation to step forward and say, not on our watch. And you can't tell us who we are. We know who we are and we know what our mission is. Well, Chrissy, it's hard to, to, to draw that conclusion because we are letting, uh, not us specifically, but it's, it's happening on our watch. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we came out of the, the catacombs and, you know, we, we brought these, these ideas and this faith around the world. And now we're kind of ceding territory to the left and retreating from culture. We're Catholics. Catholics are being investigated right. by the FBI because <laughs> they're traditional Catholics. Right. And that, that, that every Christian, every Jew, like everyone, anyone of faith hasn't stepped up to be like, oh my goodness, this is, this is unbelievable. Yes. We're going to stand together against a tyrannical government. It hasn't happened. I know um, the Pope the, had, but the Pope hasn't even said that. <laughs> but, the, but you know what? I don't, I don't, I don't. I know he's not an American. But it's, Again. Of, but it's also the Church of the Laity. Yeah. And it's no, no, all no, our jobs to stand together. And that's not, Christy, that's not happening. Yeah. Um, and I, it's really troubling that we're not standing together with one voice. Right. Um, against, I think, a, a government that has truly become tyrannical and not focused on threats overseas, but focused on made up threats here in America for political us. purposes. And they know that we, if you're a yeah. church going, you know, American, you probably vote Republican. Yeah. And they want to target you because of your the, the politics that come around the church. You know, Chrissy, I've been thinking about the silence, too. And I, I believe and, and Sean, I've had conversations about this. I mean, you see all these indictments against Donald Trump for, for nothing. I mean, nothing. They, I mean, yeah. they haven't found anything. And this is the most investigated man in the in, in the world, truly. Yeah. They haven't found anything, and yet they've managed to put all of these crazy trials and charges against him in order to interfere with our election. Yeah. And what's surprising to Sean and I is there are no protests. You would have assumed, I mean, if you had asked me if this had happened 20 years ago, I would have said those courtrooms would be surrounded by people going, not in our country. You are not going to turn this into nope. a banana republic. This is communist stuff. And it's not happening. And why is it not happening? People have been silenced by January 6th. I'm sorry. Yeah. They're afraid. They've been they afraid. are afraid of they're mm -hmm. they're afraid of their own government. That's right. the world we live in. Let's be honest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I think there is a religion. That's, there's a there's a religious uh, aspect to the way the left operates in government. They truly yeah. believe that that is the answer. Um, that is their religion. You know, so yeah. they see that as an answer and they also discount anybody of faith. And that's why I wrote my book to be it's nonpartisan, it's non-denominational. It's just a people of faith in America to stand up and be bold because we're at war here for our very existence. Um, and we are being targeted by our own country and our own government. Um, and so but I think there's enough of us. And, you know, as you as you read the Bible, there's there's several times where there's a remnant left. You know, whether it's in the Jewish Jewish history or whether it's uh, uh, elsewhere, but there's a there's a remnant. And I'm really praying that there is enough of a remnant and that God expands it and that there's a boldness about our stand, because, you know, we are on the right side. We are. We do celebrate life. We want a culture of life. Um, everything that we have done around the world has made a difference and it's been recognized. Um, and so it's it's definitely a, a battle of ideas and a battle a battle of values uh, right now, and and it, and it infiltrates our, our government. And we've got to be there. We've got to be at the table. You know, Christy, you, you, I agree with you. You're on the right side. We're on the right side. But if we were on the wrong side, we have a, a constitution and a form of government 
that allows people to speak freely on the wrong side of every issue. Yes. Um, and right. that has been, even when you're right and your speech is, is being taken from you, uh, it's, a, it's a real battle uh, to your point that we're in and more people have to be inspired. That's why I hope uh, people go look at your book. I imagine, Chrissy, they can get it on Amazon, Spiritual Cost of Political Silences. Yeah. And where else could they, Amazon, anywhere else? Amazon, yeah, The Spiritual Price of Political Silence. And then it's also on... Um, Oh, just anywhere online that you can get books. I think christianbooks.com carries it. I have a website. It's um, booksbychristy.org. Um, they can find it there as well. There's links to it. Uh, but on Amazon right now, it'd be great if they could just go ahead and get it. It's It'll come before Christmas right now. And uh, leave a review as well. That really helps to raise awareness about the book. But um, I'm just really, just really hoping that it makes it easy. I tried to make it a, you know, a book where it's short chapters, easy read, yeah, right around it's an easy read. pages, you know, so it's not, it's doable. It's definitely doable for, for folks. Yeah. I think there's a lot of people who would benefit from just the inspiration. Um, it's a little bit of a handbook, how to do it. Right. Um, and, and, and really the why, um, once you realize what's at stake, you can't stay silent. Um, we, as you, we, we, we can't, you can't, um, outsource your voice to a Fox News pundit like me or Sean. Um, you can't outsource your voice to Christie or even your member of Congress. Everyone has to get involved. And that's why I think your book is so, is so important. It's I'm the so spiritual t- cost of political silence. Christie, I thank you so much for your friendship. Thank you for writing this book, for putting that out there, for never giving up in that fight. And by the way, I love how Christie is involved. You know, you talk so much, Sean, about the culture, right? And how we need to really be in the culture. And and she's in the culture. Uh, she's writing amazing musicals. Uh, she's uh, her voice is out there, and 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 she's making a difference. Well, I'm more than her husband, Marlon, ran for Congress, and now at least we have Christy out there fighting. Yeah. <laughs> Please tell Christy, tell Marlon I said hello. I miss him as well. He was a great. Well, he's running for this. Oh, that's right. He's, he's, he's what's, running what's for Marlon for. Uh, AG, is he running for AG? No, he's running for no. senator. He's running for his old seat in Congress. So, uh, oh, he our, is our congressman. No, the, the member that was running in her in his seat is now running for senator, and he's running for its old seat. That's right? Yeah. Come. Okay. Who's who? Who's his current member? Who took his seat? Uh, Jim Banks. Jim Banks. Okay. So Marlon wants to go back to Congress. Yes, I. Are I you guess so. crazy, Christine? <laughs> no. <laughs> For the love of we talked God. about that. I saw her. She came. She came by and visited me on the show. She was in town. Her husband had a fundraiser and she was in town and she stopped by the studio on the weekend. She met with me and Pete and Will. Our kids were there. Yeah. And I asked her the same question. I, are you crazy? And so she's putting I'm, her mouth where Christy, she's I, putting her money where her mouth is. I'm, I mean, she gets what, what's at stake. I'm, um, I'm, I'm being, I'm, I'm being playful. I, I would be a much different member of Congress. I think I'd be a better member yes. of Congress now, Christy. I just yes. doing it, coming home. And if I went back, I, you know, and I think Marlon, Marlon was a great member. He'll be an even better member. You'd be a better family in, uh, in the heat. Cause if you've never done it before, it's, it's really hard to navigate those waters. You come in it with is. eyes wide open. Yeah, and I, we, I the, feel the, the same way. I think he will be, he, you know, he's had experience in multiple sectors and business and just the things you learn in that experience and then understanding how government works. I think it's, uh, it's going to be good. So Appreciate your Christy. Wait, the first, the first year Sean was in office was, um, it was not good. <laughs> it was so traumatic, and it, there, there is a, there is a ramping up period, and so you know, I, I do think that he's somebody who could hit the ground running because he knows yeah. how it works. He's already done it he's, before. But you, mm-hmm. you're right, Sean. You, you do it, 
you, you get all that experience, you go back Went out. Back. And what Sean has said to me, Christy, is that he didn't realize until he left Congress what a bubble Congress is. And yeah, it's it's nice to come out of the bubble and go back in and say, I'm not going to be in a bubble again. I'm not going to get caught in that bubble again. So I, yeah. I, I wish him lots of luck. I wish you lots of luck. And, and, and especially with the book, Christy. Thank you Thanks, so much. Thanks, guys. Right. Good luck to Marlon. He can drive a tractor and he can be a member of Congress, all kinds of things. He's a, a, a man of all trades. That's uh, right. Christy Sessman, make sure you get a book. It is a spiritual cost of political silence. Christy, good to see you. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Thank, you, Christmas. thank you for joining us at the kitchen table. All right. Thank Bye-bye. You. We'll have more of this conversation after this. It's a great conversation with Christy uh, Sussman. Again, wonderful family. It's it, 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 this, She's an example of some of the wonderful, nice people that you meet you, in Congress. No. A good family. I, I was surprised Marla's going back, but he will be a better member of Congress. He was a very conservative Christian guy who rep- represents Indiana very well. Really so. well. Uh, and again, what a what a cool t- title book. We talked about it. Um, I couldn't help but be like, what's the title? I know. What a great, what a it's, great topic. It's the title. I wish I, I wish I had written a book and had that uh, title, but, but it couldn't happen to a nicer person. Um, Christy Stetsman uh, from the great state of Indiana. But now let's invite another guest in. He's an old friend. An old friend and a happy an friend. An old, good, happy friend. Raymond Arroyo is back. Tackle a couple interesting um cultural hot points, including Christmas, which obviously is always a cultural hot point because the left hates Christmas. Um, but we've got Raymond Arroyo. We love him. Raymond, welcome to the kitchen table. Hi, guys. I, I, I wish I could get a cup of coffee with you. I wish I could do this in person, but we'll, well do we, that we, next time. We will do that next time. Before we move on to Christmas and the secularization of Christmas and what you yeah. say is the answer to it, give us a quick update on what's going on with Raymond Burke and the Pope. Yeah, well, look, uh, Cardinal Burke has been, he is one of the greatest canon lawyers in the world, okay? This is a guy who was head of the Vatican Supreme Court, just to put it in lay terms. No one knows the church law better than Raymond Burke. He's a sober, you all know him. He's a sober, decent, kind, gentle man, not a flamethrower. And he's always, always said, look, I'm very loyal to the Pope. And I mean, that's like the prerequisite to everything he says. But he has questioned the direction of things, you know, allowing uh, married, uh, unmarried couples, couples who are divorced and remarried to come to communion, um, allowing, uh, you know, uh, uh, transgender grandparents, he, uh, godparents, rather. He has questioned whether this is licit and a whole host of other things. And the Pope is um, apparently very unhappy with all of this, doesn't like the questioning, doesn't like the challenge. And, you know, the reason cardinals are there and the reason they wear red, people always see the cardinals in their red. The red is a sign that they're going to shed their blood for the church. And part of that is challenging uh, the, 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 the deficits of orthodoxy. And when you have people around the Pope suggesting that what was two years ago illegal and illicit is today allowable and embraced, that's a problem. Cardinal Burke is one of the few truth tellers who stood up and said, wait a minute. We need to look at this and consider the consequences. So that, they not only took away his apartment in Rome, they took away his pension. He's 75 years old. He's now retired or in semi-retirement. This is really cruel. It would be like you and I working for a company. They give us a pension. But because of something we say later down the road, they take the pension away and throw us out of our house. Sorry, that's not allowed. And that money, if it's truly the money of the people of God, they should be accountable to the people of God and transparent about why they did it. And, and the reasons and give substantive reasons for it. And thus far, there are none. This is, this is kind of a petty action 
And some are saying it's a uh, papal vindictiveness. It's payback. So that's my question, Raymond. Historically, do, do popes do this if they have some really outspoken, you know, critics of some of the, the, the policies coming from the Vatican? Do popes traditionally go, there's, there's some retribution, there's, there's some sidelining that happens, or is this really new to the church? Is this kind of a, uh, at least in modern times, uh, mm-hmm. uh, a, a, an unseen effort that has historically not experienced? Well, look, if you go back, if you go back in time, you certainly see right. petty popes. You know, we had, we had pretty bad popes. You had the Borgia popes, you had others. Yeah, they would imprison their enemies. Uh, they would round up and, and poison those they didn't like. Yeah, this stuff went on. It's venal, it's wrong, it's wicked. They were bad popes for doing it. In the modern age, we've seen nothing like this. Look, I, yeah. you all know, I knew John Paul II. I knew Benedict XVI. Even their fierce critics, even people they disagreed with theologically or who they battled with theologically or, or, or theoretically or even on matters of doctrine, they would correct them. They did it with gentleness and love. They never stripped people, very rarely, unless there was a, and look, you don't remove a guy from office or punish them in this way unless there's real corruption or corruption of faith, okay? Financial, sexual corruption, or they're teaching something that's just in such error and they won't move off the point. Uh, that rarely happened during the last two papacies. They were very magnanimous and, and, and decent and kind, even to those they disagreed with. Pope okay. Francis takes a very different view. So, and Raymond, uh, Cardinal Burke is, um, I mean, he's he's worldwide known within, you know, the Catholic mm-hmm. world and especially among no. conservative Catholics who see him as sort of like, you know, the, the counter to the to the, you know, socialist wokey pope that we have right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and and some people see him as his nemesis, but he is still part of the American, I guess, clergy. How have American bishops and cardinals reacted to this is mm-hmm. there a count has this maybe backfired because in some ways mm-hmm. do, do some bishops and and cardinals who are even those who are liberal say well yeah but he's one of us and and this could happen to any of us or or yeah. is there sort of a rallying around the pope's decision which is it well I mean, he, you're right he's an international figure he remains a roman believe it or not he remains a curial or a roman cardinal so he's still in the employ of the Vatican. He just basically has no money and no housing. So he's going to have to find his own. The thing I love about Raymond Burke is after this announcement came down, he said, I'm staying in Rome. I'm not leaving. I'm going to stay here. That's my calling as a cardinal. So good on him. What I'm hearing from cardinals and bishops um, internationally, and not only in the United States, I'm talking about people in Europe, uh, one, one in, in Africa. Uh, they are telling me, and by the way, some of these people are not ideologically where Raymond Burke is. They're not traditionalists or conservative. They are appalled by this action and the way it happened. Mm. And that this is the way a cardinal is being treated. You know, it's one thing to think you're taking your enemies out. It's quite another when your friends see the way you're treating people just like them. Because tomorrow they could be out of favor with the Pope and they could lose everything. This has not gone down well. And if anything, I think... And again, the ways of God, the economy of God, God uses all things for good, I think, even horrible things. What this moment has done, unbeknownst, I think, and perhaps unintended by the Pope or those around him, it has galvanized uh, the cardinals about to go into the next conclave. And yes. they are committed to having a Pope who is not in the mold of what we're seeing today. 
that's an interesting development, I think. And something, frankly, I had not heard a year ago or two years ago. This, things have changed. And Raymond Burke and, and Bishop Strickland in Tyler, Texas, also removed recently from his diocese for the same reasons, uh, speaking out and, 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 you know, raising questions about things the Pope was doing, not criticizing, just raising questions. Uh, they were removed as well. This has not gone down well with bishops. Yeah, I've heard I, my sources, and you have many, many more sources. People should know when Raymond says, this is what I'm hearing. Um, it is, it's like he's really hearing it from, from the horse's mouth. And I don't know any American journalist, um, Catholic journalist who has more contacts and more, um, connections than, than Raymond Arroyo. This has been your beat for decades. And you mm-hmm. certainly, um, are probably the most credible voice on what, um, the, bishops around the world and in America are how they are reacting in many mm. cases privately. And that's what I want to say. The, the little bit of context I've had is that because yeah. I was upset that more people haven't, you know, more bishops and cardinals haven't f- vocally and publicly, uh, you know, they won't Rachel rally won't. and, and, and they won't. And the reason they said the excuse, but maybe, but maybe a very good reason is they do want to be part of uh, those who are cardinals want to be part of that conclave to pick the next uh, pope. Mm, and not- they're afraid that if they raise their voices now, they could be sidelined, um, removed from their duties and and not be part of that decision. And so yep. many of them are holding their fire um, because, as yeah. you know, Raymond, the pope is not doing well. He's probably more sickly than than the Vatican is laying le- uh, letting on. So um, this is a very yeah. intriguing Story, I think. Thank you for filling us in. Social credit score, right? If you want to be part of the the next conclave, you better, you know, stay within your lane. Yes. It works. Well, we'll you've seen the fear factor. Look, the fear factor is running through the church right now. Rachel, you're 100%, right? Look, I've spoken to cardinals who said, look, or or bishops, if I speak out now and make a big fuss, I'm going to end up like Strickland. This thing is coming to a close. This papacy is coming to a close. And for all the promises that Pope Francis was going to open it up to the people, uh, work with the bishops, let give the bishops more authority, that turns out not to have been true over the last decade. In fact, it's the most monarchical, kingly, courtly Vatican we have seen well, in papacy in probably a hundred years. Well, it's, yeah. it's remarkable. It really yeah. is remarkable. It's it's uh, it's time for a change. Uh, we'll see what happens. Um, but uh, but um, I'm 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 glad to hear that. The bishops around the world are unhappy with what happened to him. In the very least, um, mm-hmm. there's there's that. Okay, so let's move to the secularization of Christmas. Tell me, what is Gavin Newsom doing in California? Because it seems like he's the the latest Grinch. Yeah, well, Gavin Newsom. Every year for 92 years in Sacramento, there is a lighting of the Christmas tree at the mm-hmm. Capitol there. Well, this year, Gavin Newsom called it off. Why? Because some Palestinian protesters promised to show up. This is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. So the majority of Americans, the majority of Californians have a 92 year old tradition that's both secular and religious tied to a religious holiday. And we just decide we're going to turn that into a virtual event rather than do it in person because these Palestinian protesters are going to use it as a staging ground for their little uprising. Sorry, that's not how we roll here. I would have doubled down on security made them push them back to a perimeter where they could be and allow the tree lighting ceremony to go forward. But Gavin Newsom wanting, just like Joe Biden, they're trying to balance the, the, the political base and keep those Arab Americans in their corner. And the only way to do that 
is to offer up our religious and secular traditions during Christmas. This is the most absurd thing I've heard, and it's just the beginning. But remember, a month ago, just at the end of November, the Democrats had their party convention in California. Gavin Newsom shut that one down, too. Why? Palestinian protesters came in the front door. So they just they just basically stopped the convention and said, oh, because of the protesters, we, we want everybody to be safe. So we're shutting this down. That's the wrong way to go. That shows no leadership at all. And worse, it's a coarsening. It's an anti, I would argue, it's an anti-Christian and an anti-American view of how we should conduct ourselves. And it creates a vacuum. And that vacuum will be filled by someone. And it's not going to be people doing Eucharistic processions or evangelicals praying and singing Hark the Herald Angels Sing. That's not who's going to fill that void. Just watch. Well, you, you don't push back on mobs by allowing mobs to work, right? And, and shut okay. down things that are very important and, and uh, closely held, as you mentioned, by a wide swath, a majority of the American people. I, I, I think this happened at the, at the lighting of, or there was rumors of this happening at the lighting of the Rockefeller Christmas tree as well, yeah. that uh, the yeah. protesters were going to come. And I had this vision that wouldn't it be great if, if Christian men locked arms around the Christmas tree ah. to make sure that none of these protesters could come in and disrupt this really important event in, right. um, in their lives of, in their, in the preparation in the Advent season of lighting the Christmas tree. Yeah. And men were men and said, ain't happening here. You're not getting through. Um, well, it just doesn't seem I, like we all turn it over to go, well, if Gavin Newsom says we can't do it, I guess, well, we're not. We can't do, do it. it. Yeah. The, the question is, could you find enough just, Christian just, men in New York City to surround the Capitola tree? But, but here's the problem. I know, I'm kidding. Do. I'm kidding. Of course there are. There are plenty of Christians. And by the way, in New York City, um, many Christians, you know, uh, maybe not out, out and, 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 and doing processions through the street. Although I've seen that happen. Yeah. Um, Christian Catholic processions. I think Father Mike led one not too long ago, a Eucharistic procession mm-hmm. through the streets of New York City. But, or maybe it was a rosary. I can't remember. But no, it was things, a Eucharistic procession. Yeah. It was a Eucharistic procession. I okay. Saw it. It's Avenue traffic. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, they exist, but I guess they weren't organized or ready well, to handle. So, so you know what happened, Raymond? The, the, the protesters, a lot of them got confused and they ended up thinking yes. that the Fox tree, tree they protested well, the Fox tree. They didn't know the, they wanted to go to the Rockefeller tree. They ended right. up coming to the Fox well, they, tree. They knew it was Midtown and it was a bright tree. So any bright tree will be what So we got the protesters. That was showing the stupidity of these protesters. But, you know, you make a great point. Um, I think we need to be more. We have to show our colors and our lights a little more, particularly at Christmas and Easter. We are so shy, the majority of people, Christians in America, so shy about showing any excitement, or belief in what these holidays really mean, why we celebrate them. And when you don't, when you lose the reason for these holidays, you're left with basically reindeer and snow and jingle bells. That's not enough to sustain a holiday. And I promise you, other forces will rush in and fill that religious and spiritual void. It's already happening. Raymond, what would those, what are those small things that you think people could do that we, they, they, again, sometimes I don't even think that we know that we do it. That yep. we kind of, you know, step aside or hold it in or don't do certain things. And Rachel talks about, you know, when she goes Christmas shopping, she'll say Merry Christmas. And if someone says Happy Holidays, she probably won't go back again. 
Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm actually what buying for Christmas. I'm buying for Christmas, not for winter. Um, so if you don't want to recognize why I'm shopping, then I don't want to be there. But also we mm-hmm. can do it. So I, I posted yesterday uh, our our feast to St. Nicholas. And, and that's my small way of doing it. By the way, I do it for my kids. I don't, I've been we doing do. this since I've had yeah. little tiny babies. You know, we put their shoes yep. out by the altar yeah. on the 5th of December and then you know, right after prayer time. And then, and, and, and by the way, we light our candles every night and we, and we sing, Oh, come, we'll come Emmanuel. We have our own things here. And then my way is I just started to try and post some of it to remind people of what, of what we do and to, and to do it in that way. But the outward sign is decorate the outside of your house. I mean, a lot of people don't even do that anymore. That was like, I remember as a kid, nobody, had their house undecorated. And now right. it's like every other house might not be decorated well, for Christmas. Well, Rachel, what's the big holiday everybody decorates for now? Halloween. Halloween. Yes. Halloween. They, 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 they've got spider webs and monsters and spooks everywhere you turn. There's something horrible, a slasher. There's some demonic kid crawling, a robotic thing crawling up and down the driveway. <laughs> but Christmas looks like Gaza. I mean, it's just like nothing, blackness on the neighborhood. We need to not only show our colors that way, but I think, hey, look, it's part of the reason I did this Merry and Bright Christmas album. I wanted to remind people what the season was about, what these great songs that we take for granted were about. And I encourage people to get a little group together, Boy Scout troop, church group, a group of uh, men and, or women you're with, get them together, go caroling this year. Pick My a kids day. are going with the school. Our, their go school is taking the their caroling. Yes. People love carolers. They'll open their doors to you. They're so amazed. It's like they, they almost can't believe you're on their front doorstep singing to them. It, it well, takes their breath away. And it's, it's, a, it's a symbol of joy. It's a sign that you believe in the coming of the Christ child, true hope, real hope. And I think the human connection is so important during the holidays. There's a lot of lonely people out there. It's a great that way is to a, That is a caroling door. is a truly lost, beautiful connection. And and you're so right. Sean often talks about, Raymond, how so much has been lost in urban planning, that we no longer Mm. have that front porch where we people walk by and say hi, and you kind of get the the neighborhood gossip on the front porch. Like that's all gone, right? It's all become, you know, on the phone, which is so impersonal. But caroling with your neighbors and that gesture of of really love and, and neighborly love, Wow, bring that back. But I think people are afraid to do it because we've become so insular. Um, well, we're friends with our neighbors, but a lot of people aren't friends with their neighbors. Well, well I, I mean, think they don't you talk know, that to them every day. Doesn't matter. This is a way to make friends with your neighbors. And more yeah. importantly, it's a way for you to show what you believe. Everybody else is showing what they believe. Believe me, they're in, they're in, they're in technicolor. I tell you one thing you got to respect. Everybody's griping about these Hamas and, and Palestinian protesters. I'll tell you one thing. You are watching religious belief in action. Take note, America. Take note, Christian America. This is what it looks like when people galvanize. They show up all over the country. They're invading other people's religious and, and, and secular traditions and celebrations. They're unafraid. I think Christians have to be, get, get a little of that spirit Ooh. and, and, and show the, and show the positive and true hopeful face of Judeo-Christianity. That is the bedrock of the country. And it's a beautiful thing. We have beautiful songs. We have beautiful traditions. Share them with people that, or, or they're going to die. Like old traditions, they'll die if you don't practice. We'll have more of this conversation after this. Okay, so Raymond, I, Rachel can attest to this. I can't sing. But, <laughs> and so I love your idea, Caroline. That is fantastic. 
I'm in the background. If I'm not a singer, Raymond, can you give me something else I can do? I mean, that, that one is like, oh, come on, man. Don't make, don't make me sing. I'll what tell else you what you I do. If- you can bring the star shower and do the light show behind the cameras <laughs> and light them oh, up no. and light up the house. You know to what? Draw you know what you could to. do. You, and here's another. I can, I can play. I have a tambourine or the drums. That can be drumming yes. or you can a tambourine. Time. It's a tambourine. You know what? You know yeah, what you right. could do, Sean. I can play the guitar. You, if I could play the guitar, you could bring I'll a build. plate of. You could bring a small gift over to the neighbor. You could say, "Here's a plate of cookies," or wow. you, Sean. I don't know if you know, Sean. Knows how to make homemade applesauce and butter, Ooh, and he cool. could he could give a, a homemade gift like that. I could bring some yes. sauerkraut. My homemade. If you bring over your homemade sauerkraut, <laughs> you, you, Sean, you could bring them copies of Raymond Arroyo, Christmas Mary and Bright, and Bright. I have one. I have one. Maybe maybe that that Mary and Bright album could be playing. That we could all be. If, if I had you with me and you know over the loudspeakers, Raymond, it might actually work. You could lip sync it. I could. What is it about this album? Why did you put this out? Because listen, there's a lot of Christmas albums out there. Every star, no matter how famous they are, wants to have a, I mean, whether it was Elvis or Mariah Carey or, uh, Dolly Parton. Everybody wants Kenny Smith. Rogers, they all have Christmas Kenny albums. Rogers, Harry Belafonte, every famous singer. As famous as they are, as many gold out and platinum albums as they have, they do not feel like they have arrived until their Christmas song becomes part of the American mm-hmm. Christmas repertoire. So the canon, have, yeah, the canon. Now, the canon. And now we have Raymond Royal. What tell us about the album? Why did you want to do it? Okay. A, a record producer friend of mine approached me because on my Christmas specials on EWTN, they heard me singing with Johnny Mathis and Andy Williams and Aaron Neville over the years. And they said, would you do a Christmas album? And initially I said, no, I don't want to do a Christmas album. When I thought about it, I said, you know what? Let me look at the, my favorite songs. So I pulled 50 songs, dug deep into them. And when I discovered the backstory and the context and what I didn't know, it shocked me, I have to tell you. And I thought, okay, if I can get an original orchestration of each of these songs and bend my vocal performance in the band to reframe these songs so you hear them in a new way, then it might be worthwhile. So that's what we did. We're basically revivifying and I think conveying these songs in their original form. Now, it's in a big band. It's a, it's a big band behind me. But Hark the Herald Angels Sing was never meant to be sung by an off-key dead board choir. It was meant to be sung with gusto and excitement mm-hmm. and dynamism. And when you hear those lyrics, Rachel, again, we take that song for granted. Hark the Herald Angels Sing. You've heard a thousand it. children's choirs sing it. There are, li- there are lyrics in there the that are worthy of Shakespeare, where he says, um, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, mm-hmm. behold the incarnate deity. Such beautiful words that focus us again on why we celebrate Christmas and why Christmas music exists. The other reason I wanted to be a part of it, these songs are eternal. I mean, think of it. They're like prayers. Your great, great grandfather yes. and grandmother were singing these songs. We're singing them today, and our children's children mm. will be singing them way after we're gone. Many Christmases in the future. No other genre of music has that power because it touches on the divine. It touches you're, on. You can the get Christ it on Christ. Amazon, by the way. Yep. Um, you can you can download it yep. on. Uh, can you get it on Spotify as well? Yes, Spotify, Amazon. We have been, by the way, we have been the number one jazz release on Amazon for two months. Top of the, we were in Billboard's charts, both jazz and holiday charts. And it's still one of uh, Barnes & Noble's best-selling CDs of the year. 
Well, you can I, get I, on, and that is because it's so accessible. The the band is great, and I sing has, along and hit the right. He has notes. Feliz Navidad, which is one of my. Fa- I mean, that is such a great. I mean, Jose Feliciano. Mm. So, did you sing it with him, or is it just you, Raymond? Yeah. No, no, no. You, if you go to RaymondArroyoChristmas.com, there's a trailer there. Oh, he's Whoa. playing your songs. Are you? Is this a little bit of like Frank Sinatra going on here? Yeah, it's totally. Yeah, it is. It is a it's classic American approach to these songs. Look, I saw Sinatra thirty times in concert. Look, he's hanging on my tree. You see Frank on the tree. You yes. sang oh, a duet with look, with uh, Jose I mean, Feliciano. I saw him thirty times in concert. You, you're a little affected by him, but. No, it is not a, I'm not doing Frank Sinatra. I hate those impression no. people or people who redo arrangements. These are all new arrangements, but they're in that classic American yeah. style. And that's why this album is called on. It's a familiar sound, but it's new. And Rachel, not only did Jose Feliciano agree, and this is a great backstory. We've heard that song Feliz Navidad about a million times. By the way, this week on Billboard, Jose is the number one played and downloaded song of Christmas. He passed Mariah Carey this week, number one. What? Uh, yeah. So, I think that was possible to do. Amazing. He did it. Well, they did it at Feliz Navidad. You know, it's a symbol. It's a beautiful song. That I've is. heard it a million times, but Jose told me he wrote it under duress. His record producer said, you need an original song and you got to write it now. And he thought about celebrating Christmas on the shores of Puerto Rico, where he grew up with his brothers and mom and dad drinking rum and eating little tamales and playing guitars and beating on, on instruments and tin cans. That was the image he had in his head. I said, Jose, let's do our version, very bossa nova, and it'll be like two brothers singing on the sand. He agreed to do it. He came into studio. We do it together. What's, what, is, what is Jose Feliciano like? Oh, he is the dearest man. Hilarious. He's got a joke a minute. We were just in Dallas together. We did a show in Dallas. And the people, I have to tell you, Rachel, the man's a legend. He wrote that song 50 years ago. And it's an earworm. I mean, it's part of my family will... songbook. I mean, like, and, and no. I still, I not only have beautiful memories of listening to that song growing up, but obviously that was, yeah. you know, if you're in a Hispanic family, I mean, it's you part of the, and it, it's part of your, it, you know. Anthem of Christmas. It totally is. But then for me, one of my first Christmases in Northern Wisconsin, I have such a beautiful memory of being in your mom's kitchen uh, Sean and your whole family was there and your mom probably had it on a cassette player, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole family just preparing for Christmas, preparing the food mm. and that song on and people dancing and it, the, the version, the original version is very danceable. Um, it, and yeah, so, it's really rocking. yeah, that is such a, it's, it is one of my favorite Christmas songs for sure. And that mean, you know, we kind of bring us to full circle. You know, what do we do and, and, and how do we, yep. um, stop the secularization of, of Christmas? And it, it does start in our homes, right? Yeah. Um, yes. and making sure we're celebrating it with the ones that are closest to us. But to that point, when, when you do celebrate it, when you are in that spirit, whether it's, you know, your, your Christmas trees and your advent calendars and your Christmas cookies and the Christmas music in the background. It does start to take over the, the, the spirit of those who are involved. Yes. It almost becomes unavoidable to share that spirit as you go out through your everyday lives. As opposed well, to if, I love- you don't, if you don't live it at home, you know, if right. you have the spirit at home, it's hard to go, to go share, share it. it. But when you do have it, you, you, you're kind of a walking testament it's to how wonderful no, it is. No, it's infectious. infectious, yes, Raymond, that's it's the word. Infectious. It's infectious. And, and we have, and Rachel, you're so right. This is what I love about Christmas music. It's the other reason I'm glad we did this album. 
people are making it part of their traditions when they're putting their tree up or they're cooking or they're wrapping presents and they start tapping their, their feet and listening. The other night when we were in Dallas and we're and Jose is with me in, in Nashville at the Ryman Auditorium on December 21st and then I'm in Cleveland on the 15th. When you look out and you bring, Jose comes out and you're singing that song, people are stand up, they start to sway. I had tears in my eyes watching oh. them just because it becomes like a family reunion. Everybody's together around these songs we love and really around the Christ child. And Jose said, I wrote this song as a tribute to the Savior. And that's really what all these songs are straining for. It's what we're all trying to grab and, and, and be a part of at Christmas. And if we can take a bit of that, and like you said, Sean, carry it out to the workplace, to the neighborhood, down to the corner pub, and share a bit of that hope, joy with people, they so need it. People are hungered and for joy. And when it's rooted, today. as you said, if you take the religious meaning out of Christmas, you're left with reindeer and snow yeah. and winter, and there's just nothing there. Um, and, and it doesn't mean you have to go proselytize out in public about the birth of Jesus. But right. again, if your little family and, and Sean is so good about talking about that all the time, I can't control what's out there. I can control and I can, I can instill in this little family. And because I, it is infectious, it will inevitably come out of you in, in so many different ways. Just the way you say, you know, when you're, when you're leaving the, the, the airplane and you see the store, you know, the flight attendant and, and the people who are getting ready to get on board to clean, you just say, Merry Christmas. And the way you say that, um, there's a way people know that you know the meaning of Christmas when you say, if yeah. not, you're left with, um, you know, insipid, insipid, bland Hallmark movies that never, you know, <laughs> mention the birth of Christ. And I, those movies are fun That's to watch. Such a passion. I love movies. They can get a cheer Saying, I know, Sean, Sean loves those cheesy love stories. I'm not bashing Hallmark movies. I, I, there's nothing I'd rather sit around and wrap presents to. Um, and, 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 well, and I can Christmas think of two or three other things. Okay. Okay. You're right. Uh, 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 Mary and Bright. Um, I'll put there on Mary and Bright this year. But, I, but what I'm saying is, the culture has done so much to suck the meaning out. Mm -hmm. And it mm -hmm. is, as you said, there's a vacuum. It will be filled with something. And it really is up to us as Christians who truly are the majority. Yeah. And we ought to remember that. Uh, it is truly up to us Christians to inject back into the culture what we've allowed um, to be removed. And we can, we must start in our home. Um, but it is infectious. I remember being a Christian in a, growing up as a Christian in a Muslim country. I lived in Turkey for three years. Oh, and really? It was, yeah, I did. did I lived that. in, I lived in Turkey for three years as, as a, as a young, you know, middle schooler. And mm. it was interesting to me to experience Christmas and experience it with my Muslim Turkish neighbors who huh. absolutely loved Christmas and just thought, yeah. you guys are lucky. These beautiful traditions you have, right. and there's so much joy. I'm not dissing the Muslim faith, but I'm telling you, there's not anything equivalent to the joyful, beautiful, I mean, just the idea that we're celebrating the birth of a little baby. On um, all of that is so, and, and, and it's interesting to experience it through the eyes of people who um, have never well, experienced it before and, and who have, have never seen anything like this. We take it for granted, don't we? No, the excitement, the joy, the, the, the welcome of Christmas. And I'll tell you, it just brought back to mind when I was on my way to Dallas last week. Um, and I guess this is what it's all about. Whatever you're doing, whatever you're doing for Christmas. Um, I was on my way to this concert and a, a flight attendant came up and he had a, 
a tie and it had the birth, it had the little uh, stencil of the Holy Family, very kind of quietly drawn in. So you had to get close to see it. And it said the reason for the season on his tie. And I said, boy, how do you get away wearing that? And he said, you know, I knew you were coming to Dallas and you were doing a concert, but we have two special needs children and we can't, you know, we don't have anyone to watch them. We really wanted to come to the show. Are you going to put it on Fox Nation or something? I said, well, no, we're not. I said, but I'll tell you what, come to the show. I'll put you and your two daughters on the list. They came to the show and he sent me the most beautiful note afterward. And I thought of all the people, you know, there were like 800 people there. I said, well, all the people there, that family may be the entire reason why we had to do that show mm. there. You never know who needs a little jolt of joy and a reminder that God loves them. That's really what we're here for, to mm. be God and that Christ child's eyes and ears and hands and mouth. And um, it's our job to do that. That's the gift we give back to God for all the good things he gives us. I that think. is a Christmas story. Is that is, it's, it's, it is a beautiful story. And as parents um, with, with younger kids, I just, it's so important because the culture bombards them with everything that is presents and snowflakes and Rudolph yep. and Santa Claus. They get just, I mean, inundated with that. And if you don't, as, a, as parents, bring them back to why are we actually doing this? Why are we celebrating it? Uh, we do this every night. We come together and, and we say a prayer. Uh, we sing, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. The lights are down, the down. candles are lit. We have a candle lit. And I will might say something about the season and the reason and what we're doing and, and, and talk about Bethlehem and baby Jesus. And But there's no doubt that with all this pressure, my kids, at least if asked, what are we doing in right. December during Advent? What are we, you know, what is yep. the preparation for? They know. Um, and... Every parent has to do that because otherwise you lose them to this. Well, commercialization, this, this secularization. Yeah. I got an email today from my, my daughters are part of a little Catholic girls group. And I haven't told you about this yet. I just got it oh, right before the podcast. Oh. Uh, no, no, it's a wonderful thing. They said, Hey, by the <laughs> way, are the girls available on Sunday? We've decided to do, um, a community babysitting group. So the moms and dads can go, oh, nice. you know, get a few hours away to do their, you know, Christmas shopping and whatnot. And we're going to have our girls in this Catholic little group, uh, little girls group. Um, and we'll, we'll be there to help, but we're going to babysit for the neighborhood moms. So they and dad, so they can go, go off it and do something. What a beautiful, I mean, these are the little gestures that we can do mm-hmm. acts of service. Um, but you're so right, Sean, if we're not laying it out um, and, and be, being very yeah. explicit with them about what the purpose is, no, but they're just not going to get so, it from the know, culture. I, I want to underscore something here that you said and that you all do and practice, and I know you practice it. You, you also, years ago, Rachel, sent me their picture, I saw it somewhere, of a family nativity that you've kind of kept going every yes. year that you all put yeah. up. And mm-hmm. those little, th- what I love about the, you know, a practice of the faith that is demonstrative it's not just words or stories. It's things we do. It's things we hang and light and sing. It's active. So you're furnishing your children. You're giving them an interior furnishing during the holidays that they will carry with them for the rest of their days. Yeah. That will be the marker and the emblem of the holidays, the things they do that touch their soul and their heart. And they'll remember you forever because of that. That's why I urge people, find ways to make Christmas come alive acts of service, not only gift giving, but being present to people. And if song can be a part of that, joy should be a part of that. 
and being together. That's what it's about. That's what it really is about. And giving worship to God made man. Hmm. Yeah. It's, 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 it's beautiful. I think that nobody has done it better than you, Raymond, um, in in trying to fill that gap, fill that vacuum, Mm -hmm. um, that secularism has left, not just in our culture, but in so many hearts. Um, you have used your work, your talents in so many different ways to create a new culture for us, uh, to renew a culture that we once um, had. And, and for that, we love you. And we, we love you just because you're a great guy. Um, you know, the I love is, you all back. You know that. It's Raymond Arroyo, Christmas, Mary, and Bright. He's got a great top hat on, suit and tie. He's, it varies. Frank Sinatra, Sinatra. It, it, I'm just really saying, kind of, you do look like yes, a young the Sinatra. Cover is in a tribute it. to Frank. It is. It is. He, from, and, Sinatra and jacket, an you got a jacket cold. over your shoulder. It's I the, do. The jacket thrown over the shoulder and the whole routine. Yes. It looks great, but the music's even better. Than the picture, great picture, but awesome music. Thank you. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna confess, Raymond. I, I haven't put it on the 2015 Ooh. Christmas. It's playlist. going on now. But it's gonna go on. It's gonna go on. It you can what happened go on. is, what happened is, you gave me a CD. Yep. And when yes. I told my parents I had the CD, they made me give it to them. Oh, so now, they want it. It's better because I don't know where my CD player is. They do have a CD player. I'm gonna okay. just download it. We're gonna yeah, download it. It's on Spotify, Apple. Amazon. RavenDeRoyalChristmas.com. Everything is there about the album, the tour. It. Come see us in Cleveland and Nashville. I wish you all could come see us. It's it's such an incredible, fun show. It's, I, it's I just, can't wait. Next year, you said you're going to do it in, in Jersey. I, Next year, I'm coming to Jersey. Tell me what town and what theater. We'll see we'll if we do can book it. it. We I can, will I can do be it. the little drummer boy. Bum, yeah. Bum, bum, bum. Are you no, inspired star to be bum, bum, you're the star shower guy? Sean, are you yeah. inspired to do caroling? Uh, well, I, I could interpret it. I could do an interpretive dance. Carol, oh, maybe. Well, no, I'm going to leotard on it. The neighbors would call the cops. Oh, they, 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 we're definitely calling in the Christmas police on that one. Probably. <laughs> what, are we going to sing out? I want to do a little carol on the way out, Rachel. Give you guys, you want to sing us out, Raymond? Yeah, well, yeah, I'm yeah. Sing, sing, we have to sing. do it together. All what right, do you want to do? Uh, you you, you want to do Feliz Navidad? Let's do it. Ready? Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Feliz, Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Prospero año y felicidad. You guys. We're going to do a trio. Amazing. That would be amazing. Rachel and, and Lane was going to invite Rachel to do next year's album, uh, 2.0. Mary, this Bright, is definitely not in my Rachel Campos Steffi, I think it's going to be. But if you bring uh, Jose Feliciano, we're de- we'll definitely have Jose Feliciano. Lemon Royal, always bet. a pleasure. Thank you for being Thank here at the guys. kitchen table. Thanks for Merry making Christmas. our Christmas a little bit brighter with your music, your presence, and your spirit. We appreciate that. Merry and bright. Thank you, my friends. Thank you, Love you all. Love Merry you too. Christmas. Bye-bye. Merry Christmas. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on the Amazon Music app.